Welcome to Hacking Everything, the cultures and politics of hackers and software workers. This podcast invites researchers who study what it is to be a hacker or software engineer and what it means to hack technical, individual, state or corporate powers. We'll think through what the hack means and what hacking does to all of us. This is the second edition of this series where we turned a regular old academic conference panel into a podcast. What conference then, you ask? This episode was recorded live at the European Association for the Study of Science and Technology conference in Madrid on the 7th of July 2022. So stay with us as your hosts, Paula Bialski, Marce Oyala and Andras Bishov, as we throw out the PowerPoints and turn on the microphones and take you to the world of hacking. It's red. Okay, welcome to Hacking Everything. This podcast panel invites all researchers who study what it is to be a hacker, computer engineer, or work with computers, software, or digital platforms, and what it means to hack technical, individual, state, or corporate powers. We will think through what the hack means and what hacking does. This is a bit of a different conference session as we will be recording live and then turning each session into a podcast. And instead of a classic PowerPoint presentation, we, Paula Bielski, Matsei Oleala, and Andreas Bischoff will be leading a discussion with our speakers in the format of a dialogue. So we would like to invite the first speakers in the first session who will hear from, um, I'd like to introduce Jan Schmutzler and Estrid Sorensen from the Ruhr Universität Bochum in a talk titled Playing with Fire, Re-Identification Hacks and Organizational Micropolitics. Now, as a bit of an introduction, data anonymization has long been the central measure for social scientists to protect the privacy of the subjects from whom they collect data. Now, recent years, computational methods have made it increasingly easy to combine data sets, which also make it easier to re-identify individuals in anonymized data sets. Now, Jan and Estrid are presenting a paper based on their research around a white hat re-identification hack conducted in collaboration with an organization with a long tradition for hosting social science data. Looking forward to hearing more about re-identification hacks. Welcome, Jan and Estrid. Um, you want to discuss hacking based on an empirical case. So um, what was that case? Yeah, um, thanks. Uh, yeah, as uh, Paula just said, so it's a collaboration between a data institute uh, located in Germany, which stores social science data and uh, makes them available for um, researchers. And, and on the other side, uh, a group of researchers, uh, which Anne and I belong to. Um, and the collaboration started out very enthusiastically, everybody happy to collaborate together, but quite some uh, tension and some um, opposition really emerged when uh, de-anonymization de attacks uh, were introduced by the researchers, by us, and then um, and when hacking was introduced as a method. So we use this case to learn about different approaches to the protection of re-identification of anonymized data, and particularly about why a hacking approach, although ethical and in co collaboration with the organization, may not be viable. 
Okay, okay. So, uh, so I, I just wondering, okay, so organizational ethical hackers want the same thing from what you're saying, yes? To protect data against re-identification. So why don't, why is this not so easy? Why, why don't they just do it? What's, what makes it hard, I guess? Uh, thanks for the question. Uh, to be honest, we were quite baffled by this too. And uh, in order to make sense of this, we uh, derive from two principles from risk management. These are um, the precautionary principle and the scientific principle. And the tendency to either, either one of these principles varies greatly from countries, disciplines, even topics. Um, but for us, it uh, helps a lot to, to make sense of this struggle we experience. So uh, for this, I will just shortly introduce you to these two principles. Uh, so first, the scientific principle. It means that for regulatory interventions, you need to have scientific evidence. You need to have proof that something is harmful in order to put regulation on it. Um, this um, evidence you can do, have from the lab or real life. Um, for the data institute, the lab option would, for example, be to invite hackers to to uh, attack their data, and if they succeed, then they can um, yeah, alter their measurements. Uh, and the real-life option would be just to publish your data, and if then someone proves that uh, it's not safe, for example, hacker or also a court, uh, then you change it afterwards. Uh, the problem with this is then you have to pay a fine, but... Yeah, for for large tech companies, that uh, is often the preferred uh, option. So you just do something, and afterwards, if it costs some money, it's okay. But uh, for data institutes, this real life option is obviously not a good choice because yeah. Can I just ask one little thing for clarification? Because I still don't know if the audience knows first what an ethical hacker is, but also who are these people you're talking about? Like, how did you get into your field? Give a little bit of a descriptive imagery of of who and what and where, basically. Yeah, an ethical hacker, I would say, is someone who asks for permission to hack. Oh, sorry. Uh, so he's collaborating with the organization he's hacking, and he's uh, following some rules. Uh, which normal hacker is not doing. Okay, and how did you, uh, can you still talk about how you entered the field or how you, yeah. Um, so I work at a, a graduate school, uh, which is uh, including also mathematicians and uh, computer scientists. So actually we have hackers on our side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, going back to the case, um, there, uh, there are the, those hackers and there's the Data Institute, and you, you describe the two principles that are kind of fighting. Um, and um, yeah, why um, why couldn't they agree on one of those principles in exchange or in communication? What was the problem? Uh, let me first finish to explain the precautionary principle, because uh, the precautionary principle is, is that you have to be prepared for everything. Yes, you, uh, even the slightest suspicion of harmful events can uh, can uh, yeah enforce regulation. Mm -hmm. So uh, it is not possible to even hack in the laboratory because that would uh, say your data isn't safe and you have to guarantee that it's absolutely safe in order to fulfill the precautionary principle. Mm -hmm. And uh, as you can see, uh, 
for hackers, it's necessary to follow the scientific principle. It's it's based is in the blood to 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 uh, yeah build evidence, show that something harmful is possible, in order to progress. Um, for someone who's following the precautionary principle, this is not possible because even the suspicion is already yeah. Um, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get it, I get it. Uh, but uh, yeah, these principles for sure are not uh, never existing in pure form. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so your question was uh, why couldn't we just agree on one principle? Yeah. Wouldn't would be the easiest way. Um, so you have to understand the both parties are both entangled in legal, disciplinary, and institutional networks. So it's not that easy to just switch your principle. For example, the mathematician, computer scientist, as I said, he's used to, to prove his point by testing systems by attacking them. So um, the scientific principle just matches his practice. So from his perspective, it was necessary to find an error in order to uh, analyze the, the level of anonymization. And to understand why the Data Institute, on the other hand, especially in Germany, is rooted in the precautionary principle, you have to go back in time a bit. In 1980, um, there was a law uh, in, in Germany that prohibited uh, any data sharing when you could not completely uh, prove that it's anonymized. Mm -hmm. And seven years later then, uh, it just departed a bit from this point and it said, okay, we can have this factual anonymity where, where we already um, uh, already accept that there are some residual risks. And this is an insight akin to the hacker approach. So, but what is the difference? <laughs> uh, IT security has been hacked so many times, all the time. Yeah. And uh, so you had to make a virtue of necessity. You had to uh, embrace that there will always be bugs and you can learn from it. But in social science anonymization, there is no known hack. So uh, there might be some reluctant to build this evidence. Okay, you're touching on, on this a little bit, but can you tell us about how these different approaches among hackers and organizations played out in your ethnographic case? Tell us a little bit more. Is that okay? If you jump through? <clears throat> That's okay. Uh, I can say a little bit about that. Um, yeah, so it, it, it quickly became um, uh, clear that the Data Institute was not really interested in uh, re-identification hacks, which uh, we had to uh, pro um, um, suggest it. And then uh, we were thinking like, so if they do not test the anonymization through re-identification hacks, mm. how would they test the data then? Or how they, would they test that they are actually anonymized? And we <clears throat> found out that they have three ways of doing that. Mm -hmm. So they test the data. But they also test the intention of data users, and they test the data users' handling of data. Mm. And so the first thing... Um, 
is uh, when they get data from uh, researchers who want to uh, store their data in the data institute, they will look at the data and see if they're probably anonymized. And if they're not, they will obviously have to change that. And secondly, they will also control, um, they also have some access control of users. So people want to do a secondary analysis uh, with the data. And uh, they have built, the Data Institute have built particularly experience in testing uh, what researchers have uh, good intentions and what, who might do things that are not really okay. And third, uh, they will also test uh, after the analysis are done, uh, if they have been done in ways that will um, uh, violate the, the anonymization uh, um, uh, rules. So, um, and this was uh, our first learning, which was really important, so how the Data Institute actually works, because it means that we, if you are an ethical hacker and you enter the, such an institution, mm -hmm. then uh, it's a space that has particularly uh, or particular um, conventions for how actually to test data, but also to test people. Mm -hmm. And as a hacker, you, en you enter into that and you will be uh, seen as a specific person. And in this case, you would be seen as, or we were seen as data users, which means that the uh, they were suspicious to us, just as they're usually suspicious to data users, which is totally rational that they would be, but it did feel, did feel somehow awkward to us until we got to understand it. And... Um, we have um, uh, so, so they so the data institute, as just mentioned, uh, uh, have some particular rules for how actually to to anonymize. They have terms uh, uh, of um, <clears throat> of use uh, um, and and uh, and rules that they have to uh, um, adhere to, which are obviously related to data uh, protection laws. National, regional, as well as, uh, as, well as, as uh, transnational. So, um, Nicholas Luhmann has a term that he calls legitimization by procedure. And we thought that this act term actually works quite well to understand uh, the, how the Data Institute works by using a certain procedure to test their data and the data uh, uh, data users um, instead of hacking. So, th so it means that if they use, they have procedures that are accepted in the community and that are in place. And if they use this, uh, and if they use this uh, procedure, the uh, decision will be right, right? And um, so. And this, so this kind of procedural approach is very uh, different from the hacker's approach, which is do anything you can to hack, to find out what is, uh, uh, if they can be, uh, the data can be re-identified. So it doesn't matter. You don't have to have any experience with the community. You don't have to have any knowledge uh, about what are the rules, what are not the rules, what do you have to adhere to. You just have to do whatever you want to do. And if you find find one case in which that you can, uh, of one point in the data set that you can de-anonymize, then you have success, right? So so these are like two totally opposite um, uh, principles yeah. that that clash against each other. Yeah, but, but in your, in your descriptions of the of the logic, there was already clear 
that uh, they break up sometimes, or at least they, they use, for example, even the procedural logic, uh, logic uses experience. Um, so there might be there might be spaces where those logics come along. Did you experience something like this in your case that they actually get a, a long work together, for example? And maybe you could also tell us, Andy, what can we learn from your case? Okay, probably split that up into two. Yeah. But, uh, <clears throat> so very briefly, yeah. yeah. So what 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 actually happened is that. Um, the hacking procedure was uh, after through conversation it brought uh, it was um uh, reduced so to say to a penetration test mm. which means it follows specific rules etc so it was still a kind of hacking but a hacking that follows specific rules so that was a, like a compromise between the two mm -hmm. Yes, and if you if you learn about the, the other party, what are their <laughs> practical conventions, what are their principles they follow, you can yeah, um, avoid a lot of work we we had to do. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for doing this work and telling us about it. Yeah, I hope that uh, other ethical hackers and data institutes listen to this episode. Exactly. Um, thanks for being here, Jan and Estrid. Thank you. Thank you thanks for having me. This episode was produced by Paula Bialski, Mase Ojala and Andreas Bischoff and recorded live at the European Association for the Study of Science and Technology conference in Madrid on July the 7th, 2022. Sound editing and music was done by Heights Beats at Hot Milk Productions with special funding from the Chemnitz University of Technology. Special thank you to all the panelists and audience members of our Hacking Everything panel at this year's East 2022 conference.